a big passion of mine is, is how can we be more independent with our food and sort of move away from the supermarkets and the big industrialized food systems, you know. Grow more of your own food. Try and get closer to your own food. Hello and welcome along to the Quorum Sense podcast. I'm John O'Frew and I'm excited to be here with you as we dive into exploring how New Zealand farmers are creating more resilient, regenerative and enjoyable farming systems. I'm joined this morning with a Joel Salatin lookalike. He's got the bookshelves <laughs> in the background. We've got Marin or Maz Tuckwell. Morning, Maz. Morning, Jono. How are you, mate? Good, man. Good. And Thanks, why don't you why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and give the audience a sense of relatedness? Who are you? Cool, man. Um, my name is Marin Tuckwell. I'm 27 years old, and I am a farmer, a young farmer. Um, I live in the far north in uh, Kaya. Uh, right up the top, about two, two and a half hours um, drive to the Cape Ring uh, Lighthouse, so right up the top of the North Island. Tell us a bit about um, your property, your farm, a bit of history. Give, give us a bit of history. Cool, man. Yeah, so um, uh, we're on about 50 hectares here, and uh, it's, a, it's a family farm, so uh, we're running mostly uh, just dry stock, about got about 40, 40 head at the moment, 40 cattle of a bit of a mix. We got some Angus, some Hereford, bit of red Angus, just a wee mix. And we've got a, um, a head sort of house cow, Daisy, which is the leader of the leader of the mob. And she's, she's, she's a gorgeous girl. And we milk her occasionally too. We're not milking at the moment, but we, we can milk her if we want to. And yeah, um, yeah but it was a, uh, it was a, a bit of a sort of mixed grazing farm before we moved on to the property so they had horses and sheep and um the the land was just really had all the life force just sucked out of it really eh? yeah and so i'm trying to slowly implement um regenerative grazing and sort of start diversifying the the pasture species and get some get some life back into the the, the soul of the property if you know what i mean and is that something that you've driven, Maz, or is that like, have your parents been interested in that? Or who's been the driving force around, I really like how you describe that, bringing some heart or some soul back to the property. Yeah, bro. Life. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely been uh, something that the family's always been interested in. Um, we have always had a, well, we, our background is in kind of um, natural medicine, um, Chinese medicine, herbal medicine and organics so we've always been sort of focused on the natural natural side of things doing things as naturally as possible and so um people like yourself Jono you you were you're a big role model um for me bro and and sort of a driving force for me to really pursue the regen uh sort of um approach you would say yeah on the farm and it's still early days. We've been on the property now for about, ooh, I think about four or five years now. Yeah, coming up five years. So we're just just starting to um, get it going. And um, of course, being in the far north, we've got loads of fruit trees and big, big gardens, man. Got to have big gardens up here. Eh? 
Um, <laughs> let's let's come back to the food side of things and the and what you've got out there in the garden, and because I'm really interested in, and I'm really interested in the in the medicinal side of things as well. But talk us through like your life thus far. Have you, have, so you, you you've just been on the farm for four or five years. Mm. What were you up to before that? And mm. um and talk us through yeah what's brought you to here now. Um so. We, uh, me and my brother and I, oh, my brother and I, we were raised um, up uh, down in Wellington on a small little lifestyle block um, in the hills just north, north of Wellington. And um, that sort of got me into um, the natural world and farming and, you know, being raised out there in the hills, you know, um, drinking from the creek, swimming, you know, uh, chopping firewood, all that sort of stuff. And so that was like sort of what's gotten me into uh, the farming lifestyle and um, studied at uni that's uh, at Lincoln Uni that's how you and I met um, through Lincoln Uni and uh, the good crew down there good little community of um, like-minded individuals and um, yeah I uh, started doing some beekeeping and that sort of got me more into the sort of sustainable side of things and yeah, bro, um, it's just been a slow evolution, really, eh? Yeah. yeah. And what did you study at Lincoln, Maz? So I started um, doing a Bachelor of Agriculture um, 2017. And oh, I think probably it was a, a, a combination of a lack of self-discipline and just a, sort of an aversion to the conventional kind of chemical intensity of the, the study that made me sort of uh, drop out of that and instead do a diploma in organics with the BHU. Wow. So you you were actually aware even before you'd been on like a, oh, I resist saying like a, a big farm, because to me it's not about size, right? But like you were aware of the, the sort of direction of the studying happening at, and and that conventional sort of mm. space and mm. and what was it like for you like yeah talk us talk us through what was that like for you being there you've you've applied for a, a course or a diploma and it didn't sit well with you yeah it, it's um it was a it was a very strange experience John I I think you've talked about it before in terms of the farming of the farmers you know and um these young kids come off off the um off the family farms and go straight into uni and nothing changes you know it's just continuing on with the chemical mindset and i mean it is it is it is all good you know that we've, we've we are um we are feeding the world and um we are producing a lot of food but i think we have to um question how we're producing that food eh? mm. and there was just wasn't wasn't much awareness into the impact that um you know a lot of the uh and uh, synthetic fertilizers we're having and all the pesticide use. Yeah. So yeah, I think um from day one really I didn't quite fit in, if you know what I mean. Which is often difficult, you know, not sort of, you know, fitting in with the a good a good crew and um early on um Finn, you know, uh your your good good mates with Finn, you've been a mentor to him. Um we, we connected up real early on through a, um, a common interest in biodynamics and um, we uh, so we we, we, um, we connected pretty early on and 
our sort of our group grew from there really uh, um yeah it was a, it was an interesting experience and was there any was there any part of you that took it personally like um, um like you know yeah. this here you are you're feeling like you don't fit in like because it's really resonating with me and my like I never went to university but uh primary school it definitely felt like I wasn't interested in what I was learning and then I was sort of you know isolated did you take any of it like it was maybe there was something wrong with you or was it clear to you that it was just simply that the what was being taught wasn't fitting with your ethos if you like yeah I could I it was almost like a sort of a symptom of a deeper problem within our society and within our culture I thought mate this is not going to work you know 50 years 100 years down the line we've got to go back to what our forefathers were doing in terms of farming eh? and and how that and start getting back into the some of the things they were doing eh? because um you know they they knew what was they knew what was up <laughs> you know our granddads and their great granddads and going mm. back in time and some of the less mechanical industrial methods of doing things i think is sort of where i have a big passion and uh, interest and focus yeah so you found yourself at the bhu what were some of the the influential moments um at, at your with your time at the bhu oh mate just the whole experience really eh? and the, the just that the land itself there man is is uh it's really special it's been organic for so long that eh? it's um, talk, talk the listeners through, like for those that don't know what the BHU, what's the BHU? BHU, the Biological Husbandry Unit at Lincoln, it's, I think it's the oldest certified organic farm in New Zealand. And um, it's, uh, they're doing all sorts of great uh, experiments with, um, you know, soil and different grow, uh, different crops growing and all sorts of different stuff. Eh? Um, yeah, you, you could probably say uh, more about it than I can, to be honest, say, Jono. <laughs> Yeah. I spent a bit of time out there. Yeah, I got yeah. it. And and so that filled your 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 void of of curiosity to how do we branch out from the the traditional same old moron um, mentality. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. That same old corporate sort of you know big egg mindset. Eh? Of just keep it going. She'll be right, mate. Attitude. Eh? Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. quite obvious that you know it's sort of a broken system. Eh. You mm. know among other things in, in the world at the moment, eh? the, mm. the farming is, um, you know, there's so much good stuff happening though, like within the, um, especially with the regenerative stuff, bro, that you're sort of leading the charge in. It's, um, it gives me a lot of hope, bro, and it gives me a lot of, um, I'm, I'm definitely an optimist. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, uh, we definitely have the tools at our disposal, at our disposal to, um, to really change things and, and grow a, a better future for sure. Yeah. It's the one thing that <clears throat> the first thing that struck me about you was um when you stood out for me as as like someone who was extremely passionate about you know natural cycles and you know and doing things differently it was just like you know health and wellness <laughs> what are some other things i mean you talked about being um before we come back to the farm mm. you talked about being really interested in in medicine and wellness what are some other things that you've learned over your short years? Uh, you know, short years, but you're only a young fella. Um, what are some other things that you've learned to be very powerful in who you are today? Question, bro. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest 
sort of drivers in my life is um, independence and, you know, health independence and health sovereignty. Um, you know, what can we do? What sort of can we implement in our daily road routine to, to increase our wellness, our immunity, our vitality? That's sort of what I love to research and take time to read about and think about and, yeah, do all sorts of stuff in that sort of field is personal health and trying to keep it as natural as possible as well, you know. Mm. Trying to stay out of the system. That's um, It's always been a passion for me and it's sort of how I was raised too. So, yeah, my mum and dad are acupuncturists and herbalists. So it's definitely um, given me a good background in, in the sort of alternative field of medicine, yeah. And what's it been like being someone who is a bit alternative? What's it been like... You know, on and off the farm. It's a good question, bro. It's certainly um, challenging at times. Um, you're going against the grain. I think you can probably relate to that, hey, bro? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to sort of carve a path out of, you know, um, just sort of awareness of what's actually going on and, you know, how we're losing a lot of our sort of personal independence in terms of um you know the power that corporations play over us and, and that sort of thing hey, yeah it's 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 quite tricky though man in terms of um in terms of how to navigate your way through life and stay on path you know stay on course while trying to you know work through all the bullshit <laughs> yeah and all the naysayers as well yeah definitely definitely because i'm, I'm thinking like family farm you know everyone's sort of trying to be as responsible for themselves as they can and you and you're on 50 hectares how, how do you make it work like um in a, in a you know financial perspective i know a lot of what you're you're doing as far as feeding yourself and mm. keeping yourself healthy probably keeps you know a lot of external costs down but you yeah. know th there's definitely still things we need for for an income so what are you doing to sort of make make ends meet so to speak yeah, that's a good good question, John. And it's definitely uh, pretty money's pretty tight at the moment. I think that's quite a common theme across the world, really. Eh, at the moment, and um, a big a big one for me, bro. It's, I've got it up on my wall. It's frugality, trying to be as frugal as possible, not just financially, but you know, in your daily life. Eh, um, it's a real good lesson I think that we can learn from our forefathers is how to make the most of things. You know, trying to reduce our wastage as much as possible and yeah or try and grow as much as food uh, as much food as possible you know um reduce the food budget get a, a decent income from the cattle um not too bad i've got a few ideas i've got in the works at the moment but um in terms of uh business sort of ideas but um you know good things take time so yeah <laughs> i think in the far north because we've got such a good climate um sort of subtropical crops are definitely big on the, you know, right up there on the agenda, eh? Yeah. Things like bananas and avocado, pineapple, that sort of thing. Wow. The, the propagation side of it, the nursery side of it, you know, getting the plants out there to the people. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us, like, outside of the cattle, what else are you growing on the farm? Oh, mate, got um, all sorts of cool stuff going on, bro. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So bananas, of course, bananas are, um, oh, they're just, it's amazing how well they grow up here, man. I'm, you know, I think 
the average sort of Joe blogs down in Wellington CBD so it doesn't realize how much food we can grow in New Zealand and the variety hey eh? got them because bananas. for the most part we get bananas from overseas right like New Zealand yeah, yeah. so yeah, you're bro. growing you're growing gangbuster bananas yeah bro yeah well, I think we get yeah well, I think per capita New Zealanders eat the most bananas uh in the world I think apparently and we could easily supply most if not all of that supply because the flavor is just so good and it's so it's so dense nutrient dense as well and um because we're so isolated out here in New Zealand we've got hardly any banana diseases so we can um grow them as really naturally you know pretty much organic or spray free you know a bit of fruit in there but yeah now um, we've got bananas got avocados pineapples citrus citrus is really well up here so you know your mandarins your lemons your oranges grapefruit um figs grapes all sorts man sugar cane the list goes on and on on. yeah and this isn't like encroaching on your grazing land like this is symbiotic Mm. to your grazing land like it it, i haven't seen your property although i've seen you know you've sent me videos of your beautiful produce up there but like is it something that uh can fit in well in uh in a you know animal grazing pastoral situation yeah that is a that's probably one of the biggest challenges i think hey john is um you know, balancing the grazing land with the growing land, eh? Um, and it's definitely, I definitely want to expand the sort of the growing space and the the food forest or the um, syntropic, you know, sort of grocery row sort of style agroforestry. Uh, it is, it is a challenge, bro. It's keeping the um, keeping the cows off the young plants and the trees. You know, got to get those those lines up, eh? <laughs> keep them keep them live, which is a challenge because we're so isolated out here. We often get power cuts because we're still on the grid. So the power goes down, you know, the cows can get in like that. And there goes all your money. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's certainly a challenge, yeah. But I definitely want to put a lot more um, a lot more trees on the farm. One of my big interests, bro, is um, how can we grow our cattle feed on the farm, you know? How can we grow our stock feed? or our mulch or our fertilizer you know how can we close the loop of inputs into the farm you know yeah because what does it look like currently your inputs like i know you've bought you've bought into or inherited you know some some i would say uh like you talked about horses and sheep you've probably inherited a few issues right like some 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 soil compaction Um, Um, yeah yeah so so right now you've got some uh, inputs coming in off off farm yeah we um we hooked up with uh terry nickel is it terry nichols yeah okay yeah a few years ago and he put some um some biological food on which it's definitely helped a lot but i think my main focus going forward bro would be to increase the diversity in the pasture species mm-hmm. joel salatin styles like you were saying um, yeah we've got about 10 different species with the kaikuya obviously being the dominant um, pasture species at the moment but if I could up that to 20 or 30 species within a you know a square meter or something that would be I think really good it would give us a bit more resilience to drought and you know it's been super wet so you know floods and stuff yeah like heavy heavy rain events yeah might give us a bit more bit more sort of uh 
I'm struggling to think of the word, but more breathing room. Yeah. Mm. And not having to rely so much on on fertilizers coming in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Mm. And and Kaikuyu, tell us a bit about because a lot of people won't, especially down south, won't be familiar with Kaikuyu. What's that like to, to farm as a as a plant species? Oh, it's so different, man. It's so different to your your English grasses, as you as you will know. Eh? Um, I remember I came to a, a talk you gave here in Kirikiri um, a couple of years ago, which was great. And um, you know, so many people were hounding you on the Kaikuyu issue, eh? and it was just like. You know, uh, it is it is tricky. It is tricky because it forms a real thick mat if you leave it. So you're fallowing. I'm really into fallowing. You're fallowing sort of uh, protocols quite different up here. Yeah, you got to um, you really got to keep the grass not not super short, but not super long either. You got to kind of find that happy medium. Yeah, because it climbs right, like it's a a branching climbing like i've seen it up there climbing over fences yeah bro yeah i'm about to after this podcast actually i'm gonna go get this the weed whacker out of here <laughs> clear some fences from the uh the dreaded kaikuya yeah and, um, and with the gardening side of it too with the food growing it's 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 quite um it's quite difficult because it's a it's a rhizome you know it's like you, you twitch or your cooch grass and it, it comes in through rhizomes and it's it's uh allelopathic i think or yeah, yeah loses those hormones, yes, which stops um stops other plants from growing around it. So, you know, it's a lot of maintenance in terms of clearing around the trees and or planting other sort of ground covers to to sort of uh, compete against it. In terms of the grazing, um, keeping it a level where you get your clovers up and you can sort of have a good balance of the kaikuya and a bit of you know a few other ryegrasses or some um few other different species as long as it's not getting too high really eh? we're just sort of out competes everything else and in the summer is it is it like as I, I i see a lot of um you know like when other when other plant species aren't doing so well mm. the kakuyu seems to just keep keep growing so it's not it's yeah. not all bad right exactly brother you got it man um a good friend of mine from kataya callum he said um it's better than you go kakuyu is better than no grass that's that's true man yeah <laughs> that um it is it does it does thrive in the heat eh? being being an african african species it um and then when you know you get the autumn rains it, oh, it takes off again so yeah it's not all bad yeah nutritionally i think it's a bit low down on the scale compared to some of the um the, your english grasses that you that you're grazing with down south but uh with some of the content you put up, bro, with those amazing shots of the the different diverse um, grazing fields, you know, with your sunflowers and all your different sort of uh, your beans and your legumes and stuff, I just think it's so cool, man. And I often wonder what it would be like to do that up here. And I know there are some people doing that up here. Some um, some great stuff happening up and down the country eh, in terms of the region. What do you think's missing? Like, as I get that the far north has been an area that has been like the isolation is a real common theme, right? Because you, you, there's a lot of distance between, often between farms and people, and a lot of bush separating um, farms. Uh, what do you think is missing up there in order for us to go beyond where we've, you know, where we've got to as far as just accepting Kaikuyu, managing it? 
Um, what what do you think's missing, Maz? I think, to be honest, Jono, I think it's um, it's probably a a global thing, is getting people back on the land. You know, yeah, getting the the, the boots on the ground, if you know what I mean, and and um, you know, uh, a friend of mine. He's passed now, but he said the best fertilizer in the world is the farmer's boot print, which I thought was really cool. You know, just, yeah, because it's like wait, it's what's what's it normally tires. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we, we've lost that sort of uh, you know that in a way we've sort of I mean we've a lot of people have still got it, but we lost that connection in a way eh, to the to the nature of of the land. Eh? Yeah, and um. Just getting out and walking about, bro, and, and seeing if you're feeling the feeling the soil beneath your feet and getting your hands dirty and smelling it and you know really really reading the soil. I think that would go a long way to um to sort of uh, help uh, and also the community side of it as well. Eh, getting together like-minded people. Mm. There's a lot of good stuff happening on that front, I think. Um, but the isolation is definitely an issue. Yeah. And in terms of the mental health side of it, I know a lot of farmers struggle with, you know, uh, mental health difficulties. And I think the community is a big part of of uh, the solution to that. Hey, eh? you know, as having your mates there and your like-minded friends, and you know, getting together every now and then and talking about it, talking about different challenges and issues you're facing, and just 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 supporting one another, eh? having that community not once in this podcast have i got or in fact in any of our conversations mass have i got a sense of you downplaying yourself or your property or your system because of the size see a lot of people they'll say oh i'm only this lifestyle block or i'm only this da 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 da, da. but you're painting a picture of like uh, uh abundance and of like um you know plenty and like what would you say to those people that are perhaps they've got you know 10 10 hectares mm. 20 hectares is it is it should they be resigned to like oh it's just it's just a lifestyle thing i'll just put mm. five sheep out there and forget about them or like what are the opportunities like what would you oh, say so many opportunities that's a great question john i think bro um yeah the the amount of food you can grow on an acre is just next level, eh? just mind blowing. You know, if you're real, if you're really intensive, like bio intensive and doing things naturally, you can grow, you know, ten times the amount of food on an acre that you know just a single row of a mono sort of crop could grow. Eh? So I think um, tapping that you use the word abundance, bro. I think that's a great word. You know, tapping into the abundance of nature. Is, is key going into the future in terms of the challenges we're facing in terms of soil loss and um, you know uh, you know the diversity loss and the, all the environmental challenges we're seeing a uh, um, tapping into that abundance of nature and her ability to replicate herself and um, I'm, I'm sort of I'm one of my uh, passions is beekeeping and unfortunately with the industrialized beekeeping we've completely stomped out the swarming kind of um, uh, instinct of the bees and that's the natural way they reproduce but because it lessens the honey harvest the beekeepers go through and 
take out the, the swarming cells. So I think if we can harness that that abundance of nature, again, we can um, we can turn things around really, really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are a lot of people are really concerned about you know seeing reductions and 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 food on the shelf and you know everyone's talking about food shortages and and increased cost of everything it seems everything is going up mm. and um and what can people do to be you talked about food resilience and independence mm. what can we do to to i mean people that have got say grazing land or you know, they run, whether it's large or small scale, they just predominantly livestock. What, what, I mean, what can people do to start looking at increasing their resilience and, and reducing their reliance on, for instance, the, the you know, global food chain? It's, it's such a good question, John, and a, a good observation too, I think, of what's happening at the moment, eh? you know, we're seeing, sort of seeing a collapse of all the old systems, you know, whether it be in food or medicine or you know, farming, and um, I think the main thing we can do, especially as Kiwis, because we're blessed with such a good climate here, is just, you know, start a garden, get some chooks, you know, get a few sheep or some cows or something, you know, just do something that increases your self-sufficiency, you know, yeah. I think that goes a long way, man. Apparently, I've heard, I read the other day, that if one in three families had some chickens out the back, we'd entirely entirely eliminate the um, need for um, factory farmed eggs, apparently, because wow. there's just such an abundance, you know. Yeah. And do people need to have gone to university to do that? <laughs> Definitely not, mate. I, in a way, looking back now, John, <laughs> part of me regrets going to uni because you don't need to go to uni, mate. You just need to get stuck in there and, and you know, have, have that drive, have that, um, that personal sort of discipline and um just get stuck in you know uh have a have a have a dream you know have a have a ideal that you want to move towards you know have a have a business plan be grounded you know keep it realistic keep it practical yeah but in terms of the food security bro it's a big passion of mine is, is how can we be more independent with our food and sort of move away from the supermarkets and the big industrialized food systems you know is how um you know grow more of your own food try and get closer to your own food i i love watching your your stories right when you're out there in the hills you're shooting deer and you're hunting and providing for your family and i just think it's so cool man and um we're so blessed in new zealand to be able to do that as well eh? and we need to yeah just get closer to our food i think yeah and what would you say to the people that are perhaps running a job in town, mm. you know, trying to make ends meet. They've got the land out there, but that you know, there's a really common thread. Oh, I'm just too busy. Yeah. Like too how busy. do how yeah. do people how can people observe the food that they're growing in a way that they can deal to the challenges that arise when they arise so they're not having to run around chasing their tail with it? It's a good question, brother. Yeah, I think a big a big answer to that is perennials, grow some perennials, you know, things that don't require as much love and care, you know, things that are sort of thrive on neglect day eh, and look after themselves. Because that's the thing, eh, bro, is that we're so busy and stressed out these days that it's hard for people to stop and take the time to observe what's happening, you know. Yeah. And we'll miss we miss those pulses of abundance, you know. 
Yeah, or you know, we come to the, tr the apple tree and the apples are too, uh, you know, not ripe enough or they're overripe and they've been eaten by the possums or something, you know. So I think grow, put some perennials in the ground and and then, you know, with certain species especially, you know it'll always be there. Yeah, and that, that, that takes a bit of the pressure off, I think, yeah. And as far as, there's a lot of talk about biodiversity. What would you say are some of the, the uh, what am I trying to say here? What would you say are some of the benefits of biodiversity? Are you seeing some benefits on farm? Like, was there ever a lack of biodiversity? And have you seen a change in your environment since, you know, introducing some uh, higher levels of biodiversity? Oh, it's it's the change has just been incredible, eh, Jono? You know the and like, what is it for? Like for the people that like biodiversity, like what does it even mean? <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it, it's 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 been amazing. Even just in the, these few years, you know, the um the bird life has cranked up. The, the animal life, you know, it's really getting getting going almost to the point where it's too much, you know, because we're we're growing so much food now that. You know, the possums are coming in and the rabbits are coming in and it's like, oh, you know, but I see it as a good thing, you know. If, if, if I can grow enough food where I'm providing not only an income and, uh, uh, you know, providing for my family and enough to feed the wildlife as well, then we're just benefiting the whole the whole system, eh, man? And I think that's uh, sort of something we should strive towards, you know, and working with nature, eh, instead of against her. Is, is is important for the future especially yeah yeah and <clears throat> so yeah I, and i love what you said about perennials because for the most part people are like oh gardens like you mm -hmm. know gotta gotta work the ground gotta get everything in there there's, there's yep. such a you talked about discipline it's really required in that space isn't it and um and yeah i love what you said about you know how many people are there that grow food and that even in perennials with with fruit trees and things and and it's like a you, you go from having nothing to having having lots and almost too much like how can people deal with that like yeah. from having from having nothing to like utilizing this this abundance when it's there without you know without essentially the old story use it or lose it it's a good question mate i think sharing eh, is real important yeah sharing with your neighbors with your friends and getting to know your neighbors as well eh? like i think so many people in the world today don't know their neighbors eh you know and it, it's sort of weird how we've, we've we've shifted in the last hundred or so years to being really intimate community-based sort of society to you know you don't even know your neighbor's name you know <laughs> whereas uh yeah i think if we can get to know our locals you know get to know our local sort of networks and communities and, and our neighbors and building upon those those networks sharing that abundance out you know like i just harvested a whole bunch of cherimoya which are um custard apples and i've got a few a few friends that i'm going to um take them to because i know that they've never tried them before and so i'll be like hey try this this is awesome you'll love it and um sharing those pulses of abundance because i know exactly what you mean when you said you know when you got too much of a good thing eh, and you got too many you know oranges or this year just recently, it's been grapefruit. I had so much grapefruit, I didn't know what to do with it. So if we can share that out, or, you know, even just, you know, going down to the road and selling it on the side of the road or taking it to, uh, you know, a local market or 
you know, there's all sorts of options you can you can do really, eh? To 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 spread it spread it out a bit. And that comes back to you know you talked about mental health as well mm. as like a you know the impacts of sharing because who knows what you'll get back like it's not something that you expect I definitely get that yeah totally but it's like um you know if you're growing uh, custard apples what was the name of that again oh cherimoya cherimoya it's a new new word for me if you're growing cherimoya you've got lots of grapefruit mm. I mean what's your neighbour got you know yeah. what what's yeah. what's the person down the road got and all of a sudden there's uh everyone's got a little bit of everything totally man yep sharing is caring eh? yeah yeah and it's not all about money because i definitely mm -hmm. get that there's a there's a concern for a lot of people around the you know red tape of actually selling food like a lot of people just have it that's too hard mm -hmm. you yep. know there's yep. too much red tape you know all the regulations and stuff eh? yeah Yes, yes. And like you said, it's not all about money. You know, we might get back. If I give someone a whole bunch of, you know, grapes or figs or something, you know, they might give me back some just, you know, emotional support or just being there for me when I need them, you know, or something like that, just being a mate, really. Yeah. So it's not always about what you get back in a physical way. It's about what you get back in more of a, a sort of a, a present way, you know, being there for someone. Yeah. And that comes back to the sharing as well, right? Like sharing your skill set, sharing your, like, I know that's something that's big for you. And for a lot of people, you know, we're brought up with this thing, like it's, it's rather than a collaboration, it's a world of competition. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. so letting that go, you know, Quorum Sense was really founded on farmers sharing information mm. and you're painting that picture vividly and, you know, what's it like sharing what you know and what you're discovering with other people? I love I love helping people. I love helping my neighbours out and my friends out. And, you know, that's, that's the thing that's changed these days is that, you know, 100, 200 years ago, everyone would support each other within the village, you know. And coming back to the to the farm, what are some other challenges that you're facing on the farm currently like what are some things that are really present for you that you'd love to really have a breakthrough with yeah that's a good question man well the the hardest thing bro um for the last few years has been my poor old dad he's got cancer and it's been such a big uh, part of our life in terms of you know um dealing with the trauma and um uh you know not knowing how long he's got to go and you know the the whole stress involved with it, and um, that's been the biggest thing, really, bro. In the last few years, is is has been dealing with um, you know, dealing with the stress of having to um, support each other and support him through his journey, and um, trying to stay sane, really, as we as we live together. Um, as he goes through it because oh it's it's tough man it really is tough and it's um it's taught me so much bro it's taught me so much eh about um you know just oh just everything in, to, in life man about you know the importance of compassion and empathy for your fellow man and you don't know what people are going through out there bro so you just gotta you know put your best foot forward and 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 try and try and help if you can you know 
or offer some help to someone if they need it. Um, also, it's given me a big insight into, um, you know, the sort of uh, the, uh, the breakdown of the medical sort of system that's happening in this country at the moment, uh, which has been quite shocking, to be honest. Eh? And so that's part of where the, my sort of interest in health independence is, yeah, it's inspired me to become, you know, it's always good to get a good checkup every now and then, but if you don't need to, mate, you, you, you're doing well, you know, if you can just maintain your health for as long as possible, it's, it's, it's the real wealth in today's world. If you can, if you can be healthy, happy and strong. Yeah. You've created that for the listeners in the, in the field of the, you know, food system and agricultural system breakdown and also the, the medical breakdown and what you're painting a picture of when you talk about resilience. And it's really clear for me, and I want to come to the correlation, the possible connections between these, the not needing to send the ambulance to the bottom of the cliff, not needing to run to the, to the, to the, you know, whether it's the the doctors or the or the FERT reps to get the the yeah, treatment right. of the of the symptom, like that's real power. To the corporate say, yep, totally, that, man. That's yep. real resilience. Yeah, and how can we help each other become stronger in that in that sort of you know in that resilience say. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. And do you think there's some connections there, Maz? Like, uh, as far as because this is you know we're really we're talking about health, we're talking about medicine, we're talking about mental well-being, we're talking about the land, we're talking about biodiversity, which almost in a sense is like the the mana of the land. Totally, bro. Yeah. You know, do you think there's some connections there, Maz, or what's been your experience with your observations? I think uh, I think you're right on the money, but I think the in terms of seeing the farm as a organism as well as a you know seeing the property as a from more of a holistic point, you know uh, the, the the biodiversity, the soil health, everything's connected today. Eh? And if we can do just little things to try and raise that and raise that wellness within ourselves. You know, it will radiate outwards into the world, eh? You know, if we can increase the, the the wellness of the land within ourselves as well, within our families and our friends, yeah, that's that's how we're going to solve this, bro. Is, is through through just little practices we can implement in our in our daily lives. You know, yeah, and it's something I'd like to to talk to you about as well, Jono, because I, I do know you like a bit of a, a dip in the in the rivers or the frozen lakes. And so I want to extend the friendly challenge to you, bro. If you can go out and get two or three minutes in a, a river or an ocean or any sort of cold body of water this weekend, mate, I would I'd be so happy. I'd love it. So cold water submersion, there's something in that, yeah, it's like a tool. Totally, man, yeah. It's 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 so funny, bro, because we're seeing such a big mental health crisis. I think not just in New Zealand, but throughout the world at the moment. But we're so blessed because in New Zealand, all the tools to fix it are just all around us all the time. Especially down south, mate, um, where you are, you know, where the water's pretty much cold all year round. You know? <laughs> it helps the, the just your mood so much. And, you know, physically, it's really good, you know, um, 
I could go on and on about the benefits and I'm sure you know all about it. But yeah, the tools that we have to heal ourselves are just all around us. So, and it's that easy. It's just a change in the mindset. Wow, Maz, you're, you're painting a picture of, uh, of, of wellness, of health, of flourishing, of uh, high vibration of wellness. I'd love to... I'd love to now pull towards our final question. Mm. My final question to you, Maz, is if you were able to say something to a person who's just starting their journey into this regenerative way of living, thinking, and farming, what would you have to say to that person? Keep the faith. Keep the faith, yeah. And just... Just trust in the goodness of life. Keep pushing forward no matter what, you know. So life's going to throw curveballs at you. And it's how we deal with that. And it's how we deal with that adversity that, you know, makes us makes us stronger. The stress, how we react to the stressful moments is, is key, eh? you know. Yeah. And it's it's not easy. It, it's, it's definitely, um, it's always a work in progress. But yeah, that's what I'd say to those people, bro. These people on the journey, you know keep the faith thank you brother thank you so much for your time today maz and oh, look. thanks for having me mate this podcast was supported by mpi's productive and sustainable land use extension services fund the information opinions and ideas presented in this podcast are for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice any reliance on the content provided is done at your own risk Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quorum Sense podcast. Subscribe, share, and if you have any comments, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover, please email us at podcast at quorumsense.org.nz or visit the quorumsense.org.nz website where you can also access past episodes. We hope you have an enjoyable week and that you've got something of real value from this podcast. Be sure to join us for the next exciting episode. We'll see you then.